Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. Live in the freedom that God loves you unconditionally. And He loves you unconditionally. God's love for you is unconditional. Preaching that God loves you unconditionally is the wrong message. God has a good will towards everybody, believers and non-believers. But there is another love reserved only for those who embrace the gospel and put their trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, how dare you, sir? <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. That is the voice of U.S. Judge Kyle Duncan, invited to speak at Stanford Law School, specifically to the Federalist Society, when he was jeered and heckled relentlessly, but that was just the beginning. Out of the blue, with prepared remarks, <laughs> impromptu, the law school's diversity dean stood up and lectured him for 10 minutes. Why are we going to go through the pain of listening to, sorry for the dodgy audio recording, it's the best we could do, but I believe it's going to be worth the effort because we are always wise to be wise as serpents gentle as doves and understand the language that is being employed by progressives to bury anything traditional, including, of course, the Bible and Christianity. What is the argumentative style that is so effective these days in winning the arguments about progressive versus traditional values? Well, you can label it what you want to, but I believe it is the rhetoric of emotion. It is the language of feelings, winning the day by using one's subjective feelings about a particular subject to shut down the other side because your position makes me feel something that we all agree is a bad feeling. Therefore, you're wrong. It is a syllogism that doesn't stand, but we need to be able to identify it so that when somebody totes it out on us, and they most certainly will if you are being courageous in any way, shape, or form these days in sharing your faith or speaking up for the safety and protection of women and children because they are the ones who are being decimated these days. You are going to hear an emotive response, the rhetoric of emotion. Hey, you're triggering me. Hey, your worldview invalidates me. Hey, your worldview doesn't make me feel affirmed. That is the rhetoric that is being used these days to win the day, and it is squarely based on emotion. You're about to hear that. But as we tolerate this woman's rather intolerant remarks toward, did I mention he's a sitting federal judge speaking at Stanford Law School? Perhaps we can come up with responses. How do you help somebody if you engage in just trying to debate with somebody who uses the rhetoric of emotion? You can't win. Seriously, you can't win. How dare you say something that is so personally harmful to me? Now, did they win the argument? Of course they didn't. But did they win the approval of onlookers? Yes, they will. 
because as we have learned, the history of philosophy, the history of the sexual revolution has led us to a time, you can also add postmodernism into that slumgullion, that how I feel is everything and anything that makes me feel bad is automatically a terrible thing. How would you argue against that? How would you argue against the dean of the Stanford Law School's diversity department? Your racism is showing. Was was the the battle cry of the student? We edited a lot of this out. Here's the dean. Write something down because I'm so uncomfortable up here. She's so uncomfortable. This man makes her feel so uncomfortable. He's dangerous. He scares me. Therefore, we cancel him. So goes his worldview. Now you and I know that is illogical. But how would you respond to it? I'm sorry you're feeling say unsafe. But would you please address my arguments? How one feels about another person or how one feels about their argument, it's an interesting conversation to have, but it doesn't automatically disprove another person's worldview. And I think using illustrations are helpful, and you can create a gazillion of them if you want to. When I drive, I'm sorry, I'm feeling a little bit unsafe at the moment, very emotional. Because you see, when I was a child, I wasn't a good student. And my teachers used red to mark up all of my papers. So when I see a red stop sign, it doesn't make me feel good. So therefore, I can blow through them? No, of course not. I, I might have a negative response to seeing the color red, but that doesn't mean I get to throw out traffic laws. Perhaps illustrations like that might be helpful, maybe. Um, and I don't say that for sympathy. I just say I'm deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Now, she doesn't say that for sympathy. She just wants you to know how she's feeling, which, of course, is self-contradictory. Um, I'm uncomfortable because this event is tearing at the fabric of this community that I care about and I'm here to support. Do we have any statistical analysis to support that? No. There are some people who apparently don't appreciate this particular. Did I mention he's a sitting federal judge? Sure. But is it really tearing the fabric of Stanford Law School apart? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Is the juice worth the squeeze? That's the little slogan that she determined would be the most effective in undermining this man's presence. In other words, you've got some stuff to say, but what you're going to say is... So hurtful, so painful that it's not worth having you here. But for many people in this law school who work here, who study here and who live here, your advocacy, your opinions from the bench land as absolute disenfranchisement of their rights so and government. All right, he makes decisions that disenfranchise people. She would, in order to make that case, she would actually have to cite some cases where that actually happened. Furthermore, even though she may disagree with rulings, isn't that the way it always works? <laughs> You've got two sides arguing. The one who loses doesn't feel great about it, but that isn't the question. The question is what is right 
what is true, what is accurate. By the way, did you notice Jimmy had to do a fair amount of editing on this, didn't you, Jimmy? A little bit. Just a lot of screaming. Mm -hmm. These are law students, by the way. And if you aren't aware, Stanford is a very influential law school. It is supposed to be one of the finest. By the way, similar incident a year ago at Yale Law School, number one law school in the country. ADF General Counsel Kristen Wagoner was shouted down by angry students. And so was, did I mention, a sitting federal judge? And it impacts directly their people, humans, their families, and their communities. Of course, that's what laws and rulings do. Uncomfortable, and it's uncomfortable to say this to you as a... I'm uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to say this. This is the rhetoric of emotion. It's uncomfortable to say that for many people here, your work has caused harm. It's caused harm. In what way? Not defined. And I know that must be uncomfortable to hear. I know that must be. Let me please. How how many times? We should have an uncomfortable bell (laughs) because it's been used a lot, hasn't it? If I could argue my point of view by saying it makes me feel, um, if you're an atheist, I have to tell you, you make me feel very uncomfortable. Therefore, God exists. You'd say that's illogical. And I would agree with you. You can use illustrations like that to make the case that their case is really not supportable. This is this is where. Law students are being trained to argue law based on emotion. And I want to give you space to finish your remarks, too. I want to give you space to deliver your remarks. This is this is sort of like being passive aggressive without the passive part. (laughs) You're terrible. You're horrible. Your worldview is atrocious. You make me feel uncomfortable. But you're welcome to deliver your remarks if you want to. Well, if that isn't just stirring up the hornet's nest, remember, she's supposed to be a dean at a law school. You've got students there who are shouting down a sitting federal judge. And this is the response. I'm also uncomfortable. Ding, 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 ding. Because many of the people in the room here I've come to care for. Uh Uh-oh. We're getting emotional. Um, And in my role at this university, my job is to create a space of belonging for all people in this institution. Now, that has nothing to do with legal precedent, with legal rulings, with jurisprudence. It has everything to do with feelings, which is the rhetoric du jour that is being used to shout down sitting federal judges. It'll also be used to shout down you. Christianity triggers me. Christianity makes me feel bad. Christianity doesn't affirm me. Christianity doesn't make me feel safe. How will we respond to this emotional rhetoric? We will continue to explore doing just that next on Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. 
MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today, and thank you for supporting our ministry by going by the Wretched Store and picking up our resources like our Drive-By series. We are grateful for your support, and we hope you've been blessed by the biblical content we strive to produce. But here's the thing. There is more content to be produced, and there are more people to reach all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we need your help to produce the content and reach the people. And the best way for you to do that is by joining us in becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner. See, we can't do what we're able to do without the support of our gospel partners. You guys help us to produce and distribute our resources, create new content, and expand our reach. So we invite you to prayerfully consider joining us in those efforts and becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner to help us spread the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. You have questions? We have answers at wretched.org donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Cool. Very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home, parents get saved, and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe, and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. John Chrysostom was the Bishop of Syria and Constantinople in the 4th century. He was an eloquent preacher and earned the moniker Chrysostom, which means golden-mouthed. He denounced abuses of authority in church and government and fought for purity of life and doctrine. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It is clear. Scotland! needs to be canceled. This is Wretched Radio. Just, How obvious could a statement be? Just the whole entire nation. It's got to be gone. Well, here's the logic, Jimmy, before you trigger me further. You see, Scotland is known for bagpipes. I, on the other hand, when I hear bagpipes, I feel very unsafe. I feel very uncomfortable. Therefore, Scotland and all of the people who sent me this 
bagpipe video of a woman playing Freebird. Y'all need to be canceled. Uncomfortable. I'm feeling very uncomfortable. <laughs> this woman needs to be canceled. Bagpipes need to be canceled. Scotland needs to be canceled. And so do you, Christian, if you're one of the people who sent me this video. That was impressive. We're supposed to love one. Of- you like this? Well, I mean, it's impressive. In what way? I, <laughs> I don't know, but it is. Gavilta fish, Larry. You say freel. Um, that doesn't seem all that logical. And I would say you're right if we weren't living in a land that sided with emotive reasoning. The rhetoric that is being used these days to cancel anything conservative, anything traditional, anything biblical is an emotive language. I don't like what you're saying. What you're saying hurts my feelings. Therefore, you don't have the right to say it. Don't believe me. Ask a sitting federal judge. His name is Kyle Duncan. He was visiting Stanford Law School to give a lecture to the Federalist Society when some non-Federalist Society law students showed up along with the diversity dean who had some prepared remarks. So please note, Kyle Duncan The judge said, for a good 20 to 30 minutes, I was ruthlessly mocked and shouted down by a mob after every third word. The diversity dean at Stanford Law School, she didn't get shouted down. Instead, I think she offers up the rhetoric of emotion that you and I should learn to identify and as uh, creatively as possible, try to reveal to them Feelings do not have any effect on facts. You might feel like you don't like this truth, but that doesn't mean that it isn't true. And you could use any illustration that you... Jimmy, I'm sorry. Kirkland needs to be canceled. Uh, Why? Well... I just looked out on my desk and there's a bottle of Kirkland dragon fruit flavored with other natural flavors. Yeah, I'll bet. And I was just, when I was a kid and I had a fever, I had to drink a lot of juice and be woken up in the middle of the night to drink more juice. Mm. It was a terrible time. Therefore, Kirkland needs to be canceled because their juice makes me feel uncomfortable. That, that That is what you're hearing. From the diversity dean at Stanford University. Um, and at, in my role at this university, my job is to create a space of belonging for all people in this institution. And that is hard and messy and not easy. And the answers are not black or white or right or wrong. That's weird. You're a law school. This is actually part of the creation of belonging. And it doesn't feel comfortable and it doesn't always feel safe, but there are always places of safety. Now, she's going to she's going to give a word to the students that are sitting there that don't feel comfortable or safe. Was the man packing heat? No. Uh, Was he bearing a machete? No, he, he wasn't. Was he threatening anybody? No, he was actually threatened and intimidated by the law students. And this is the dean of diversity making the case that because you feel uncomfortable by this man's presence, he actually shouldn't be here. There's always an intention from this administration to make sure you all can be in place. 
where you feel fully you can be here, learn, grow into the amazing advocates and lawyers and leaders that you're going to be. That's fascinating. Let me share with you from an interview with the sitting federal judge. Ask yourself, how is anything that went on in that classroom remotely compatible with the mission of law? Answer, it is the opposite of what it means to be a lawyer. Unless those students undergo a radical change in their whole approach to argument and disagreement, they are unfit to be members of any bar. Because the law is supposed to be blind. A judge, whether they like their position or not, need to put their feelings aside and just base their argument on fact, legal precedent, not feelings from the judge. The diversity dean did exactly the opposite of what a law school administrator was supposed to do. Instead of explaining to the students they should respect an invited guest, um, perhaps especially a sitting federal judge, but any guest, even one they might disagree with passionately, she launched into a bizarre and already printed out monologue where she accused me of causing hurt and division in the law school by any mere presence on campus. So this had the effect of validating the mob. Please note, he had prepared remarks too. He wasn't allowed to give them. Isn't it funny? She was able to show up and deliver them as if she knew that somehow he was going to be interrupted, shouted down, and then she could deliver a lecture. The judge wrote, all of this was delivered, as anyone can hear from the video, in the voice and idiom of a therapist. It was the language of compassion and feelings. But it came across as deeply controlling and aggressive. This is the dean of diversity. I presume she's also a lawyer if she's the dean of a law school, but maybe you don't have to be these days using the rhetoric of emotion. I'm also uncomfortable because it is my job to say you are invited into this space. She's uncomfortable a lot. This woman. You are absolutely welcome in this space. After she's just said, you make me feel uncomfortable and your worldview harms millions of people. But hey, you're you're comfortable. Hey, Jimmy. Uh-huh. Just want you to know every every single thing you say is stupid and wrong and dumb, and it offends everybody who's listening. But please feel free to speak. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. In this space that people learn and again live. I really do wholeheartedly welcome you because me and many people in this administration do absolutely believe in free speech. <laughs> then why didn't she tell the kids to pipe down and be respectful of somebody who's a sitting federal judge? <sighs> we believe that it is necessary. We believe that the way to address speech that feels abhorrent, that feels harmful. But go ahead. You're welcome here. That literally denies the humanity of people. But speak if you must. And one way to do that is with more speech and not less. But she shut him down. Let me return to the interview of the judge. It seems like a particularly insidious form of the ad hominem attack. Indeed, it is. A person is labeled as a hater or denying someone's existence. So you can write that person off completely. I'm calling it the rhetoric of emotion that any time toes are stepped on, you're done. 
The argument must be wrong because it makes somebody feel bad. This was demonstrated by the protesters again and again at Stanford. Whenever I would point out that it was despicable to treat me and their fellow students this way, that the Federalist Society students would never imagine treating one of their invited speakers this way and that therefore they should show some minimal respect the response was inevitably, you deny our basic rights and even our right to exist, which we've heard before, even at judicial hearings. You, you, you make people feel you do not validate their existence. What, by saying I don't agree with their worldview? Yep. That's the rhetoric of emotion. And so we owe you no respect at all. We can say whatever we want to you. We don't have to listen to a word you say because you're a hater. That came through again and again. It's chilling. Now, this is where I would actually disagree with the sitting federal judge, but I wouldn't shout him down. I wouldn't lecture him. I would just say, maybe you didn't intend to put a cap on this statement, but I think we're already there. There's a the dean of diversity is acting the way that he is describing these students as acting. He writes, the elites set the tone of our society, like it or not. The law students, we graduate from Stanford, Harvard, Yale, etc., and the like, are the ones who inevitably will be occupying the commanding heights of government, academia, big business, philanthropy, and so on. That's where I disagree. They already do. Otherwise, this wouldn't have happened. So what they think is acceptable behaviors matters immensely. And if it doesn't seem to matter much right now, just wait five or ten years. Then they will have percolated up through the ranks and will be calling the shots. And then you will see this illiberal mindset more and more in action. I, I think that's already happened. It, it's just going to take a little bit of time for people to grab hold of the rhetoric of emotion to learn how to employ it regularly to override anybody who brings any sort of perspective or worldview that they disagree with. There, she's the dean. She is the diversity head. She is the one who is shutting down free speech, even though she claims not to. So, sorry that happened to you, Judge, but I fear, oh, it's not coming. We're already here. This is Wretched Radio. And it's time for some Wretched News here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks, and here's what's going on in the Christian world. First up, some good news. We'll start with that from West Virginia, where Governor Jim Justice has signed a bill into law that protects religious freedom from government interference finally have some common sense in the government. Just wish it was the federal government. But maybe they could take a few notes from the good people of West Virginia. In other news, a Colorado school district has hired a, quote, gender queer shapeshifter as a teacher. I'm not really sure what that means, but apparently it's supposed to be some sort of progress. I don't know. I, I can't wait to see the report on what kind of shape they're shifting into. And now for a story that's going to make you go, what in the world? That's probably usually all of them, but an Oregon high school has had students write in detail about their sexual fantasies as part of statewide curriculum. Hopefully parents are paying attention to what's going on in the classroom. Chinese President Xi Jinping has won oh, an, a unanimous election. Can you believe it? I'm sure it was completely legitimate and not rigged at all. Congratulations, Mr. Communist Dictator. Everybody in China seems to love you. And speaking of China, 
Our very own Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm has been praising China's approach to green energy in hopes to learn from the communist country. Yeah, I thought I read that wrong at first. I really did, so I went back and read the story three more times. But no, that's exactly what I read. Our Energy Secretary actually said out loud that she wants to learn about green energy from the world's leading producer of air pollution. That seems par for the course for this administration. Speaking of which, this administration has also reduced the amount of milk that babies and moms will receive under the federal WIC program, and they've replaced it with soy products. <laughs> I guess they missed the memo that babies can't actually digest soy as easily as they can milk. Again, par for the course. It's on brand for this administration. Wonder what's next? Probably replacing the country's water supply with the Kool-Aid they've been drinking in the White House. Let's hope that doesn't happen. The Michigan Supreme Court is in the news because they've been considering forcing judges to use preferred pronouns for attorneys and litigants. Yeah, because clearly the First Amendment doesn't matter when it comes to people's feelings. Why bother with the Constitution? That just gets in the way of making stuff up as you go along. And an Alabama megachurch has been the latest to leave the UMC. It's good to see people are standing firm and standing up for biblical values and biblical beliefs, but I just hate to see the denomination go in the direction that it's been going in. And it's been going that way for years, but continue to pray for all of our Methodist brothers and sisters out there. And those are your wretched headlines. More Wretched Radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1646. The Westminster Confession is drafted in the Jerusalem Room at Westminster Abbey. The confessions were drafted by an assembly of Episcopalians, Presbyterians, and Independents, and became the foundation of Reformed theology throughout Europe and America. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And now, a song about men. Performed by... The Rolling Stones. This is Wretched Radio. And you're wondering what's going on here. This isn't the Rolling Stones, it's air supply. And they're not singing about men. This song is called Every Woman in the World. Oh, see, that's where you're confused. You are living in an inverted reality world. What is woman is now man, and vice versa. What is air supply is now the Rolling Stones. Take it away, boys. Noticed that progressive people are adopting language that sounds an awful lot like conservative lingo, and they are using those descriptors to describe their own worldview. Furthermore, when they critique your worldview, they use the language that we are using to critique their worldview. Case in point, you want only American citizens who are registered to vote to be able to have the privilege to vote to make sure there isn't anything scandalous happening in the poll booths. 
and you're labeled as being anti-democratic. You're undermining democracy. And you would say, no, that's the very thing that we're trying to avoid. But you're labeled with the accusation that we are making of the left. Why? Because everything is an inverted reality. Case in point. This is from Teen Vogue. <laughs> Somebody's got to read it, you know. This was been, a number of articles from Teen Vogue were sent to idea at wretched.org. They are writing about things. Um, excuse me. You're supposed to be Teen Vogue. For instance, one of the articles in Teen Vogue is defining the difference between bisexuality and pansexuality. This is for teenagers. And by the way, it takes about three pages for them to define the difference and then ultimately to conclude. But you can just call yourself whatever you want to because it doesn't really matter. Well, then what was this exercise all about anyway? From Teen Vogue, why are books banned? It's a part of a broader effort to oppress girls and non-binary people. Oh, I see. So taking books out that are filthy, sexual, and are intended to try to expose confused children to viewing sexuality and genders differently, by removing those books for children, we're actually oppressing girls. You see, I thought... By trying to expose them to these progressive and sinful worldviews, I thought that was bad for girls. No, trying to protect girls is now oppressing girls. Do you see what they did there? We say we're trying to protect them. No, you're trying to oppress them. This is, again, emotional rhetoric. This is nothing but using a, an, a feelings-based logic from the article. Book bans are about oppressing girls. <laughs> Would you like to hear some more of the Rolling Stones singing about men? <laughs> Book bans are about oppressing girls, especially girls of color, queer girls, and non-binary people. By making us believe that our stories aren't worth sharing, our aspirations aren't worth pursuing, and our identities aren't worth celebrating. Oh, you see, we we actually thought that there should be some sort of standard of morality and values and that children shouldn't be exposed to everything that adults may or may not have the ability to consume. This is the rhetoric of emotion, and it is the inverted reality in which you and I live. When the left has no way to actually argue their point, what do you do? Well, you label the deliverer of the facts. And that's what this is all about. Back to Teen Vogue, coupled with the rapid backslide of the body positivity movement. So much could be said about that. The toxicity of social media uh, and the prospect of coming of age with fewer rights than their grandmothers. And it's no wonder American girls are in crisis. You see, we thought it was because they were from broken families. They were exposed to social media messages that are really hurtful, that they don't have a form of community, that they don't have anything in their life that makes it, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, purpose-driven uh, 
we thought those were the reasons that liberalism perhaps has helped girls feel like they are third-rate citizens. Well, for them, probably 17th-rate citizens when they compare themselves to all of the images on social media. But no, you're the problem. You're the reason. You see, even though the rates are increasing as progressivism is on the ascendancy, you're the cause for it. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. The article writes, the CDC recently reported that 60% of female students experience persistent sadness or hopelessness. Well, I could be kooky, but maybe it's because of decisions that are being made, at least in part, in schools. How's about the school? Oh, it is. Oh, got it right here. You'd think we'd prepared for this. Nope, we wouldn't, Freel. An Arizona high school's policy tells girls to leave their locker room if they're uncomfortable with trans students. <laughs> you got a problem with dudes in your locker room? You leave, girly girl. But they don't. And listen to how it's defended. It's absolutely staggering to me. The president of the Foothill, Catalina Foothills School District Governing Board wrote this. Any student who is uncomfortable sharing multiple occupancy facilities with others has the ability to request an accommodation. Okay, so get this. When we said, um, look, if there's people confused about their gender, instead of the boys going into the girls' locker room, how's about they go into the boys' locker room? Or if you want to build another bathroom and go through that expense and inconvenience and mess, go ahead. But they're the ones who should be, if you will, inconvenienced. Nope. All of you, what do they call um, your, your identify? Uh, what do they call when you're born? They impose the, your gender on you. What is that dopey lingo? When you're when you're born uh -huh. and they notice your body parts, they they identify you as a male. Like they identify you as a female. But there's lingo for that. Oh, I guess where I it's don't like, know it. We're we're making you that. No, we're just identifying what is being presented to us. If you were born naturally born a female, which is the only way to be a female, <laughs> you can all be inconvenienced. But one or two boys who are very confused will not. Quote, our district administrators respond to their needs and find alternatives for those students. In this way, we treat all students in the same manner. Um, except for the ones who have to leave the locker room. Unbelievable. Hold on. Quote, further, our administrators do not require any student to be singled out or isolated based on any of the protective statuses identified in our policy, except for the girls who are girls. They get inconvenienced. And this director at this school has the audacity to say, and that way we treat all students in the very same manner. Wow. Every woman in the world. Well, their air supply is going to have to take this out of their concert list. I can just tell you that much right now. Headline. Thank you, boys. Colleges ditch Women's History Month for Womxins. W-O-M-X-N-S. History Month. <laughs> to celebrate women, we're going to use a word that we made up that actually isn't a part of the English language nor can it be because you're kind of missing a vowel where there's a, a consonant X. To celebrate women... 
we're going to make it inclusive so that men can be celebrated simultaneously. See what we did there? Doesn't make any sense. Several colleges and universities all over the place are choosing to celebrate Womixons. How do you say that, Jimmy? Assigned assigned gender. You just said it. That's the term right there. We assign their gender. (laughs) (laughs) That's like... Uh, Jimmy, uh-huh. when your boy, let just pick one of your boys. What what color hair did he have? They all had blonde hair. No, they were just assigned blonde hair, oh, silly rabbit. You thought it was blonde hair, but you just assigned your preconceived notions of what colors actually are. To celebrate Womixon's History Month, to recognize <laughs> women, transgender, and non-binary, the term Womixon is a spin-off of woman to avoid the suggestion of sexism and to be inclusive of everybody. <laughs> oh man, we're living in an inverted reality. This is Wretched Radio. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Reborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives. That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing when she got here. It was just, oh my gosh. (laughs) Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. Question, are you tired of the same old boring TV shows? Well, there is something that's not like anything else on Christian TV. It's Transform, and it's back for season number two. You get to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions, tackling issues like depression, anxiety, OCD, and others. These are real people with real issues being offered real solutions by our hosts, Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson. So if you're looking for something different, you know, a show that glorifies God and demonstrates the sufficiency of His Word, then Transform is for you. It's a -a one-of-a-kind production that provides the hope and relief that only the Bible can give. The world is full of hurting people, even Christians, and many are completely unaware of biblical counseling and the answers it can provide. So join us for Transform Season 2, the show that will transform your walk with Christ and leave a profound and lasting impact on your life. Get your hands on it now and also consider grabbing the Sunday School curriculum for your church. You can find it at transform.org or the Wretched Store at wretched.org. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines, not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles, to believers in TMAI trained churches these efforts strengthen the local church would you please consider how many bibles you might send 
how many seminaries you might support overseas. To learn more, visit wretched.org pastor, or if you like the Bible-sending idea, wretched.org Bible. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the cornerstone. When laying a foundation, every stone must be aligned in reference to the cornerstone. God is building His church as a holy temple, and as believers, we are being brought into line with the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Yes. Yes, I am. This is Wretched Radio. Let's talk about assigned females. You can't be every woman in the world anymore because they don't exist. <laughs> While it is absolutely uh, foolishness, it's not the height of foolishness. Remember, denying the reality of genders is is a no-brainer after you've denied something more obvious, and that is the existence of God. Once you've suppressed the most obvious truth, then you are off to the insanity races. There's no stopping you at that point. You've already denied the biggie. Now you can deny everything else. You know, Jimmy, huh? I was... uh. Yeah, I was trying to fix my brakes on my car. Oh, you were. How'd that go? Well, I called a number of people uh-huh. that provide that service. But when I was down on my back taking a look at the wheels, why are they squeaking when it rains? Tell me that mystery. They don't squeak when it's dry, but when it rains and I back up, the neighbors look. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so I'm on my back in the garage and, uh, you know, just tapping away on well, I don't want to get all mechanical on you, but I was tapping on the brake thing uh-huh. of my jig, and I hit my thumb with the ball-peen hammer oh. hard. But don't worry, it didn't hurt. Oh, it didn't? No, there's no such thing as pain. <laughs> or a thumb. Or a thumb. <laughs> for, or a hammer, or a brake, or a car, or a garage, or a neighbor, or a world. You say, that sounds ridiculous, and I uh. say, that's a piece of cake. Once you've denied the existence of God then reality is utterly inverted. If you can't get that, you can't get anything else. And that's why we're not done. And that is why you hear stories or read stories about math no longer being about facts. It is about feelings because you grew up a certain way. Math is oppressive. Therefore, it doesn't matter what the answer is. You and I hear that and we think, well, that's just cuckoo talk. No, that's the talk of a world that has already denied the reality of God. Social media, it is a major cause of the mental illness epidemic in girls. This is from a social psychologist, Jonathan Haidt. He's on Substack, which I don't get. What is the Substack, Jimmy? It seems like everybody's writing there these days. I have no idea. Me neither. Don't worry. You're in good hands here at Wretched Radio. Two threads 
are both essential for understanding why teen mental health collapsed in the 2010s. In brief, it's the transition from a play-based childhood involving a lot of risky, unsupervised play, which is essential for overcoming fear and fragility, to a phone-based childhood, which blocks normal human development by taking time away from sleep, play, and in-person socializing, as well as causing addiction and drowning kids in social comparisons, they can't win. Now, that does affect boys, but predominantly, it is affecting girls. And they are miserable because of the social media, because they are told something that isn't reality. God defines what is beautiful, and he says it has nothing to do with externals. Nothing. Now, that doesn't mean that some people don't have a more attractive face or form than others. To, that, to deny that would be to deny reality. But it would also be wrong to say that God favors externals because he absolutely does not. In fact, he shows entire ambivalence to externals. In fact, if I were going to make the case about beauty or being handsome, not every time, but almost every time, the Bible, and it is done very rarely, mostly Old Testament. In fact, if not exclusively Old Testament, it defines somebody as, say, handsome. What do you get? Saul. That It's not typically something that is equated with virtuous and good and worthy of praise. So if you had to make the case, does God favor the handsome and the beautiful? Um, I think you'd struggle mightily. I believe the case would be made, no, he doesn't even consider, he doesn't even weigh the externals. They are so insignificant. They are so trite. Hey, Jimmy, I got a question for you. Yes? When did you start parting your hair on that side? When when I stopped getting it cut as often as I should. Uh-huh. I don't like you as much. I don't think you're as valuable. I don't think I want to associate with you now that you part your hair over there. Okay. Well, is that why you're sending me a message about not being about this old handsome and beauty thing? Huh? I feel like you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So we make everything about ourselves. I get that. I can relate to that. I do. But how ridiculous would it be? I don't like Jimmy because he parts his hair on the whatever side he's. It doesn't even look like you're parting it anymore. But yeah. I don't like you for that either. You'd say <laughs> that is the most trite and trivial estimation of an individual I've ever heard. Bingo. God is concerned about the internals. The, the quiet, gentle spirit the one that serves, the one that gives, the one that helps, the one, you know, that acts like Jesus. That's what he delights in. But the world screams, it's externals. And believe me, the Goyles, they are hearing it loud and clear. We are now 11 years into the largest epidemic of teen mental illness on record. The CDC just reported most girls are suffering. Nearly a third have seriously considered suicide. Why is this happening? Why did it start so suddenly around 2012? Maybe you've got a better explanation for the global depression levels that went skyrocketing at 2012. But there is one constant. They're called smartphones, the internet, social media. It's not because of the global financial crisis. Why would that hit younger teen girls hardest? Why would teen mental illness rise throughout the 2010s as the American economy got better and better? Why did a measure of loneliness at school go up around the world only after 2012? Um, hmm. 
couldn't have anything to do with what they're downloading into their brains or forcing them to compete with the opposite gender in athletics or use bathroom facilities with people who are very confused about their gender. And why would the epidemic hit Canadian girls just as hard when Canada didn't have much of a crisis at all? It's not because of the 9-11 attacks, wars in the Middle East, school shootings. As Emil Durkheim showed long ago, people in Western societies don't kill themselves because of wars or collective threats. They kill themselves when they feel isolated and alone. Why would American tragedies cause the epidemic to start at the same time among Canadian and British girls and girls across the globe? There appears to be one constant, social media. Back to the article from the social psychologist. There is one giant obvious international and gendered cause, social media. Instagram was founded in 2010. The iPhone 4 was released then too. The first smartphone with a front-facing camera, bingo, 2010. 2012, Facebook bought Instagram and user base exploded by 2015. It was normal for 12-year-old girls to spend hours each day taking selfies, editing selfies, posting them for friends, enemies, strangers. Everybody gets to comment on how they look while spending hours each day scrolling through photos of other girls and fabulously wealthy female celebrities with vastly superior bodies and lives, or so they think. That's, That's the constant. Instead of sleeping, instead of playing, instead of developing real relationships, spending time in a loving community, doing family stuff, they became immersed in cell phones. And with that has become the erasure of girls and the misery of most young women. More than a hundred correlational, longitudinal, and experimental studies on both sides of the question. Taken as a whole, it shows strong and clear evidence of causation, not just correlation. There are surely other contributing causes. There are, and stop calling me surely, but the collaborative review points strongly to the conclusion, quote, social media is a major cause of the mental illness epidemic in teen girls. The assault is real. Furthermore, the assault on another feminine front is to say that boys can become girls. J.K. Rowling. <sighs> no, this is not an endorsement of Harry Potter. Do you know she's got about $850 million because of the Harry Potter business? Nevertheless, she is speaking out against this whole transgender movement. The writer branded the strength of trans activists an instance of authoritarianism and the attitude of the fundamentalist. So she's being brave. Now that's her form of brave. We've got to start asking the question, gentlemen, what can we do to be brave on behalf of the softer, weaker, gentler sex? Hmm? What, 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 what are we going to do? How are we going to react? How are we going to speak? How will we respond to a world that clearly desires to crush women? That is the question, and it is up to each individual Christian male to answer. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.